in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Well, hey, folks, this is uh, Archie Mason, your host of That Farm Life Podcast. Thank you for joining us uh, for another episode this week. If you're unfamiliar with the podcast and who we are, you can uh, check us out at agrihealth.net. There at our website, we got a lot of resources about what we do, how we try to help folks in the rural community with the stress and strains of farm life. We have a saying. We say it all the time. So for those of you that are weekly listeners, you hear it each week. It's okay not to be okay. We just want to help you not stay that way. And so what we do whenever we have a guest on, uh, they're always great about it. It gives some practical advice just about life and uh, the ups and downs of that and how they kind of get through that. And so today, uh, our guest is Jennifer Cook. Her and her husband, they operate 5C Cattle. I'm going to let her tell you exactly where she lives in the correct pronunciation of uh, the town that she's in. And uh, so, Jennifer, we are so glad that you're with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad I ran into you at the Cattleman Convention. And um, I do live in Worcester with my husband, Brian. Uh, oh, my goodness. I, he's the one that's supposed to have a hard time remembering. <laughs> I don't know. We got married in 1993. So there's that. He introduces me to people and says, this is my current wife. So yeah. <laughs> I may ask you about this, because how did you guys meet? Hey, aren't you from like a little town, Lake City? I'm from Lake City, okay. yes. So how'd you so, meet? Well, um, so when I was a senior in high school, I ran for a state FFA office and I was elected president for Arkansas FFA. And being the first female state president, that opened up a lot of opportunities for somebody who grew up on Cherry Street on food stamps in a single parent home and um, scholarships, doors opened, just good things happened. And I had a full tuition scholarship to go to the University of Arkansas. Oh, wow. Yeah. While while I was there, uh, the car that I had, which only had three hubcaps and a floor, a hole in the floorboard of the passenger side of my vehicle, um, it did not work very well. And, And in fact, I I met a girl at the Baptist Student Union on a Monday, and I paid her to drive me to my banquet I had to speak at in Stuttgart on Friday because my car wouldn't work. So that was fun. Um, anyways, I decided to come back to ASU after one semester uh, due to just no money, basically, in yeah, a, yeah. a car that didn't work because my grandfather lived in Manila, and I knew he could help me. But long story short, I went to A-State for a couple of years. I won a Truman Scholarship, and that paid for me to be able to go back to Fayetteville. And in doing so, I was I, I met my husband there. And it's a kind of a funny story because I loved to two-step. And um, I there was a there was a honky tonk, I guess you would call it, called Doc Murdoch's. And I was always, always, always the designated driver for my friends and all that because my grandmother was killed by a drunk driver oh you know, wow 
why would I, why would I do that? You know, after everything that, that I endured in that experience. And so, um, anyways, long story short, um, I met him at a bar as I was the designated driver for my welding class. And, um, the rest, did you say for your welding class, welding class? Yes. You mean like arc welding? Well, arc gas with a stick welder. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Now that's interesting. Well, my so what degree, was your major? What was your it, major in college? It's um, ag education. Okay. So, yeah, I, I taught high school agriculture, um, managed contract hog farms for Cargill pork. And then uh, we moved to Conway. My husband um, opened an office in Conway uh, with uh, an investment firm. And uh, we started raising boys, which managing hog farms and raising, <laughs> boys, you know, it's really all in the same. So it's, how many how many boys do you have? We have three boys. Um, the baby is uh, going to be a sophomore at the University of Arkansas. He's go- majoring in ag education. This, do you call him a baby? I mean, do you call I do. him the baby? Okay. I, do. I call him the baby. I'm not going to ask if he's a favorite, but okay. Go ahead. You know, <laughs> they all have the opportunity to, to win favorite son of the day. <laughs> it d- depends on behavior. I mean, they they know the routine. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and then middle son uh, graduated from U of A with an ag business degree, and he okay. works for Stevens in downtown Little Rock. Okay. It's funny. He got home. He still lives here. He has a really serious girlfriend. Um. That you know, I hope. I'm not even going to say it, but anyways. Um. So he got home from work last night, threw off a suit, threw on Wranglers and a T-shirt, and went to somebody's house to bush hog for them. You know, it's he's like Clark Kent. He goes yeah. from one person to the next. Yeah. Um, and then my oldest son is married and is in medical school at uh, OSU in Tulsa. And, you know, I know that some of your focus of your podcast is on mental health. And um, Andrew, um, you know, he's an example of a child that kind of explains why some mothers eat their children, because <laughs> he, was such a, he was he was a tough kid because, you know, he had um, he was a preemie and he he um, had ADD off the charts and just, you know, some other things that kind of went along with that. And it's just really, really hard to manage not just the ADD, but, um, you know, <laughs> the oppositional behaviors and the depression and things like that. that And, you know, the, the thing that, that I often tell people who are struggling in the same area is don't give up. There's always something that can make things better. It's never as good as, I don't think it's ever as good as what it can be. It can always be a little bit better and just don't give up, you know? And, um, I, we just, we tried a lot of different things, you know, we tried a lot of things that didn't work, but, the fact that he is married, he's in medical school, he takes ADD medicine only in like fish oil, I think, and maybe some vitamins. But yeah, uh, and, you know, his his faith is strong, too. He's in uh, he and his wife attend First Baptist in Jinx. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I just I pray regularly that he'll just be a good church member that he will serve <laughs> and that he will not just take, but he will give and grow and help others do the same thing. And awesome. That, and maybe yeah. he'll use his struggles to help other people. Yes, fact, ma'am. Probably, um, you know, initially his thought was pediatric psychiatry, but I don't know. He kind of likes ER too, because he's like, I only have to pay attention to something for a short period of time and then it changes. So, and that's a good point. Hey, what's the age difference of your boys? Um, 
they're they're about um, oldest to youngest. I think is about seven years. So okay, you know there were there were times in my life I was like a, a crock pot won't even help me fix supper for everybody <laughs> going so many different directions. You know, it was well, just, I, you know, Jennifer, I can tell you, man, the Lord has blessed you and your husband. I mean, it is. Uh, I know you sit now, and there's probably some conversations that you and him had. You know, he coming from work, and you're like. You're not going to believe what happened today, but this is what happened. But, you know, through that, the Lord has uh, blessed you guys. Hey, you know, and you mentioned this, if you don't mind, because it's interesting. You said, hey, you grew up a single mom. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to someone out there, maybe a young lady or a young man that's listening to this, maybe working on a farm, maybe they're on a tractor, maybe they're in a dairy farm, hog farm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got hog farmers listening to this podcast, whatever, and say, hey, you know, man, I come out of some tough circumstances. and um, you know, what, what encouragement would you give them? How would you advise them? You know, man, you went to school, you had scholarships, you had a car with you. I mean, you know, I, I will say, you know, what do you tell a kindergartner that gets lost at the fair? You say, look for the helpers, right? You yeah. Look for the people that, you know, are going to help you. And, you know, we identify those people in our lives as we go along. And sometimes they're glaringly obvious and sometimes they, they gradually come into focus. And, you know, obviously, um, in any tough situation, especially when you don't feel like you're in control of circumstances or decisions that are made that affect you, um, you've got to lean into what doesn't change and what stays the same. And for me, um, you know, I I gave my life to Jesus when I was 13 and I had an aunt and uncle that would come and get me in the summers and take me to their home in Dardanelle. He was a pastor at a little Baptist church in Dardanelle. And and I saw the difference that Jesus made in a family. And I knew that, that um, you know, although my mom was a Christian, um, there were a lot of struggles that she endured as a single mom. And so uh, a church attendance, discipleship that was not always prioritized, maybe the way um, it it could have been. And and so I, I found people that kind of helped me on that journey. I mean, I went to church with a lot of different people over the, you know, until I could drive. Um, yeah. And then once I got into um, into high school, junior high and high school, you know, I recognized the value of education. And and I had a wonderful grandfather and grandmother that also really poured into me and other aunts and uncles, too. But um, the value of an education and it never occurred to me to not try to do my best in my schoolwork. Um, It was just always it just innately ingrained in my DNA, I guess, um, to try and to do the best that I could. And, you know, I had a teacher my ninth grade year um, in ninth grade at Lake City. There weren't a lot of different uh, extracurricular things that we could do, but you could take home ec or you could take agriculture. And my grandfather began teaching agriculture in Manila in 1928, taught for 42 years, had a farm down in Snow Lake, uh, there in Manila, raised nine kids on 80 acres, godly man involved in his church, high school principal, janitor, everything, whatever, you know, and and I was with him every chance I got. I mean, he was our guy that took care of like the car when it broke or the air conditioner that needed to be replaced. I mean, he really rescued us. And, you know, more than anything in the world, I wanted to make him proud of me mm, and yeah. And so when it came time to choose between home ec and agriculture, I took agriculture and my teacher, Doug Ward, um, 
I don't know. I guess he capitalized on my gift of gab. And <laughs> I, I realized that maybe being forced to write all of those sentences for talking too much in class could be channeled in a more positive direction. And so when there are things that are out of your control, look for things that are solid. And obviously your faith, church, um, the Lord, scripture, but then there are also people, you know, with who God uses and, and, and cling to what you know, that, that you can have an effect on. I mean, I, I couldn't control things that affected me in so many ways, but I could control my own attitude and my own efforts. And I was interested in agriculture and the, the rest is kind of history. You know, I, I just, I see God's sovereignty in my life. And I oh, think yeah. if you take a step back from any, any difficult circumstance, I think that you can see how in the long run, um, you can use that same struggle to maybe encourage somebody else to not give up, you know, to look look for opportunities because they're there um, and, and everything's going to work out. So. Well, hey, OK, so you brought that up. Let's talk about one of those opportunities. So you said you were the first female state president of FFA. OK, yeah. so you're still involved with oh, yeah. FFA. Let's let's talk about that. How did that make a difference with you in high school, college? And then why are you still now as a a mom mm-hmm. of three boys, married, your husband, mm-hmm. raising cattle, and still in, still involved in FFA. I just, I see the impact it makes on lives. You know, I know that um, every kid that is enrolled in agriculture education is required to have a supervised agricultural experience program. They're all required to work. There's a thought, you know, work ethic, set goals, manage a budget. Um, plan, make plans. It, entrepreneurship. I mean, that's what it is. It's learning how to support yourself um, so that you don't have to be rescued. You can rescue yourself in in that sense. And it's not about being on an island unto yourself, but it's about using the resources that you've been gifted with and, and to capitalize on that. You know, one example, um, and this, this is a really a really neat example, I think. There, there's a girl. Um, I don't. I can't even tell you her name, but she has an SAE in Ryzen, Arkansas, and she is growing mushrooms in five-gallon buckets. Okay, now you said an SAE, Supervised Agricultural Experience. Okay. SAE. And you know, that's first of all, that's proof that anybody can do something. You know, anybody can do something if there's a will, there's a way. Um, growing up in Lake City. I was required to have an SAE. What do you do in Lake City, Arkansas on Cherry Street? You know, and Mr. Ward worked out an opportunity with Steve Cobb, who owns a uh, Yorkshire hog farm and, uh, and crossbred hogs, too. Um, and he he created a little project where Bart Barber, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and I worked together on the same day, same team. And we we worked at Steve's farm in exchange for a place to keep a pig because you can't do that in Lake City. And so at an early, at an early age, I learned that there are people that are willing to help you do better if you're willing to do the work. And I see FFA as being that, that uh, vehicle to help kids get from point A to point B and have 
leadership skills develop to have personal growth happen that would not have happened otherwise and to experience some form of career success, whether that's going into the industry, working as a welder, an electrician, a plumber, you know, they get those basic entry level um, exposure type skills in their ag classes. And, and those teachers are so good at saying, here's what's next. Here's how you get to a trade school. Here's how you get an apprenticeship so that your earning power for the rest of your life can be vastly different than how you grew up. And isn't that the goal to do a little bit better this year than you did last year as far as, you know, how you can take care of yourself and therefore also help other people. So I, that is why I'm still involved today. I see FFA as something that can change lives. And with my work as the foundation director, um, we've never had one up until me. Um, Here we go again, trying to (laughs) write a new book, but um, I'm just realizing there's a pattern here. I don't really understand that. But anyways, you know, we're able to create good things for other people with funds raised through the foundation. And um, that's from individuals like, like, Arkansas cattlemen's like you, like um, retired ag teachers, like farmers who see the future agriculturalists, you know, be an important investment so that that 2% that feeds the world, you know, they're they're tied into us. And that that's that's what I hope to grow. I really, you know, I mean, where do you stop? Do you ever get to where you've raised enough money to do enough things to help kids change the trajectory of their lives? I don't well, know. Here, here's a couple of questions. Number one, if someone in the state of Arkansas surrounding the area said, hey, I like Jennifer. Uh, I, I hear her vision, her passion, her her mission and ministry, her heart. And they say, hey, I want to give. I want to give the foundation. Well, how do they do that? Well, they can visit ArkansasFFA.org. Go to the foundation tab, okay. and okay. there's just all there's all kinds of good things that they can. Awesome. Okay, so say that again. Give that website one more yes. time. Yes, ArkansasFFA.org. Okay, and then they can just go to the foundation tab, and that'll pretty well explain everything. Yes, and they okay, can find good. they can find my email on there too, just on the awesome. contact us. So that's yeah. that's a really easy. Okay. Way. Well, here's the second question: Is so what if someone is out there and they say, "Hey, I'm maybe they're." They don't have an FFA at their school. Maybe they're homeschooled or something. I mean, they don't. I mean, how can they get involved in FFA well, or can they? They absolutely can. A homeschooled FFA member, um, if they are part of the Arkansas Virtual Academy, we have an Arkansas Virtual Academy um, FFA chapter. It's somewhat of a trailblazer in the United States. Our teacher, Brittany Lawrence, is. Uh, at least I know she was last year. I don't know if she is currently, but a teacher ambassador for the national FFA. And I really hope that that what we've been able to accomplish in Arkansas can spill over to other states because, you know, with the way COVID kind of changed the way things happen, um, it's just not, and, and not just that, but, you know, there are, there are students that have um, spectrum disorders for whatever reason, they, they can't deal with, a big classroom setting. And so, you know, their parents are very sensitive to that and have been able to create opportunities for education for them otherwise. And so there's a place for them too. That's the neat thing about FFA is that, I mean, the jacket zips up the same way on every kid, you know, (laughs) it it doesn't matter if you have 50 cents in your pocket or if your dad owns 10,000 acres of of prime farmland in the Delta. Um, What matters is 
what you plan to do with that. Where are you going to go? Are you going to take advantage of leadership development opportunities and grow? So if you're homeschooled, you're a part of the virtual academy. You can be an FFA member like that for sure. Um, So there's a place for really everyone who may want to be involved. So if there's a parent listening to this and they say, hey, sounds like a good program. Again, go to that website. There's a lot of information there. You can find out how, if they don't do most. Okay. Here's a dumb question. Dumb question. Cause I, don't know. No. I was part of FFA growing up, Duvall's Bluff High yes. School, you know, as you said, zip the jacket up St. Robert's rules of order. I mean, yes. you know, all yes. that stuff. Do most public schools have FFA now or not? Do you yeah. know? We have 213 FFA chapters in Arkansas, um, 334 agriculture teachers, we are the largest school-based youth development organization in Arkansas. I mean, there is there's no other there is no other career and technical student organization that's as as big as we are. We have about sixteen thousand members, and so you know, obviously, it, it, to be an FFA, you have to be enrolled in ag education. FFA is just FFA is one component of that. I mean, we have a really unique model of education because it's um, classroom instruction. It's experiential learning, which is your SAE, which, all, again, all students are required to have. And then it's FFA. And that's where you compete with what you've learned, whether that's a livestock judging contest or parliamentary procedure or um, com- uh, competing with, uh, for, with for proficiency awards because you have the best um, sales and service SAE project in Arkansas or whatever. So. Lots of opportunities for scholarships, for recognition, for growth and development. And I think that if you took a poll of people that work for Tyson or J.B. Hunt or Walmart and said, did you wear a blue corduroy jacket when you're you'd probably be really surprised with how many would say yes, that they either wrote FFA involvement on their resume or they were involved and developed and grew somehow as an individual because of that. Oh yeah. You know, and, and then I would I would back that that question up with, so are you giving back? That's a good point. Good are, point. Are, if it was that important to you, and you would have written it down on a resume, and you say it helped you become as successful as you are, if you had a teacher that really impacted your life, how are you giving back so that the next generation of agriculturalists who are going to feed 100% of the world, but account for 2% of the population that farm, but the rest of these people that move it on down the line, are you investing in that? I mean, you're exactly we- right. I think back about even my own uh, school experience, public school experience. And, you know, I had great teachers, small town, great teachers, but the ag teachers are really the guys that, and they were men then. And right. I know there were ladies, but right. mine were men. And hey, they are the ones that I really enjoyed the most, you right. know, and learned a lot from. Okay, so hey, great segment on FFA, very important. Okay, that was you. You taught me more than I did <laughs> not know. So I hope to all the folks out there listening that you grab hold of this. Okay, great opportunity with FFA. Okay, and again, go to the website, yes. check that out, do that, uh, and then too, as you heard uh, her say, and single parent home got involved in FFA, doors opened up for her. And here she is now, again, uh, in just, a, you know, ups and downs of life, but a blessed life uh, with her husband and her children. And so if you're out there struggling today, and you say, man, nobody cares about me. Nobody knows anything. Uh, strong statement made, I know I'm recapping, but she said, look for those people. Some are glaring and some are not, but look for those people that 
that are willing to help those helpers out there. And there are those that are in, uh, involved in life. And hey, for the ag community, we are always looking for people who have a desire to work or do better. We will always help people who want to better themselves. And I, I think I can speak on behalf of all the agriculturalists out there in regard to that. And then also too, man, you may have some spiritual questions. We talked about Christ and uh, her surrendering her life to the Lord. And if you say, Archie, I got some questions about that. Hey, email me at info at agrihealth.net. I'd be happy to help you any way I can, give you some direction and some guidance regarding that. Again, check out the website. Uh, if you like the broadcast, subscribe, share us with your friends. We appreciate you so much. Hey, uh, this is so much information. Uh, our next episode, we're going to continue with the second half of Miss Jennifer Cook. So stay tuned for that in this coming week. Hey, as always, until uh, we see you again or you hear from us again, keep farming and keep the faith. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith.